Commagers. I'm Brian Costello. I'm Jim DeSanto. And we are joined <laughs> by our special guest today. I'm Craig Goldberg. Craig Goldberg is Hopefully back, and, and, and Katie will be with us <laughs> shortly. Hopefully, if she can get the, Hopefully, uh, yes. the younger DeSantos to sleep. This is pandemic uh, podcasting with parents. This is this is what happens in the, the world when you have a pandemic. Yeah. You are parents, and your podcast does not generate any revenue to make it be something that can be a higher priority than getting your children to go to you sleep can't at night. say it doesn't generate any revenue i would say minimal revenue minimal minimal revenue best. um we are continuing our trend of a having guests on thursday uh-huh. um and b you know tackling some different topics than we would usually uh, do on one of our movie episodes and tonight we're going to do some music uh recommendations i think we'll also obviously just talk about music uh you know since of course craig uh, performs and jim is a performer you know i myself am not a performer i know that might be hard for many people to believe uh but uh, and kind of go from there and see where the show will take us. And then uh, upcoming Thursdays, we're going to have some returning guests um, all in the countdown to our hundredth episode, um, which is rapidly approaching. Yeah. And that's, that, that's my lead in. We don't have a rundown because we don't have Katie. No, uh, I, I could probably do a rundown. We don't though. really do Jim, rundowns Jim, on Thursday. Jim, yeah. But Jim hit the rundown music. I want to do a rundown. This is Chuck Scarborough <laughs> with our news music. It's interesting. That's the rundown. Yeah, that's that's that's, that's, that's about that's, as much time Katie spends that, on it. That's that's the rundown. Yeah. Uh, all right. So we're going to we're going to do some music recommendations of all sorts here and kind of go in different directions. Uh, some albums uh, we might love um, some music people should be listening to. Um, I would feel in general, uh, just music consumption is, you know, something in my life that's been increasing as part of the pandemic. We, you know, um, Craig and I obviously do not work from home usually. Um, so when I'm at school, I actually do listen to music, you know, on my prepper break, you know, yeah. to help grade and stuff like that. But at home, there's obviously the access for, at least for me, I'm listening to it more um, with the being home and the changes in work. And I'm sure there's probably also a lot of other people who are having access to maybe more time to listen to music and things like that. So we thought we'd uh, have some music experts here and give some recommendations. So uh, who would like to start? I think Brian, you should, yeah, Brian. I think you should go first because uh, <laughs> y- you've built it up that we're getting a chances are type recommendation here. Aren't, aren't I we? never said no, we we're getting a chances messed. are type recommendation. Though I have many. Um, if we want to discuss that, uh, you know, perhaps Abba's greatest hits. <laughs> uh, you could go with Air Supply, which I would always. I, I always don't mind recommend. going. I don't mind going first because mine'll mine's a pretty unknown um right, yes. recommendation, um, and I'm late to it. Uh, so uh, my recommendation is Blake Mills, 
Um, and his record, uh, Hey Ho, not Ho Hey, um, or Hi Ho, or Hi Ho, oh, like the Seven Dwarfs. It's Hey Ho, right? H E I G H space okay. H O. Okay. Um, and you might not know Blake Mills, but I guarantee you, if you like, um, music, you've probably heard him on something. He he's a guitar player that's become a a more famous producer if you know um you know the ava brothers he's played guitar with them he's played guitar with connor oberist who is uh you know the guy from bright eyes um he's been on tour with band of horses um nora jones um who else oh alana del rey and also like as interesting as it is like kid rock he's played guitar for kid rock before um, I didn't know he played. Yeah, and rock. he he uh, went to high school with um, Taylor Goldsmith, who is the the lead singer of Dawes, um, and they were in a band together called I forget what it's called, something Dawes, like Simon Dawes. Yeah, Simon Dawes, and they broke up and went their kind of separate ways, and Dawes continued um, as just Dawes and did you know they're they're kind of a bigger band now, um, but. I heard about Blake Mills because he produced one of my favorite records of like the last 10, 15 years, which is sounding color from the Alabama shakes. Um, and then, uh, I heard Brittany Howard talking about how good of a guitar player he was. And I checked out his record and this one specifically, which I think came out in it's, it's old now. It came out in 2014 um, but I just found out about it literally a couple months ago. Um, it's awesome. It is, um, it's hard to describe. He, he has a style of guitar playing that is unlike pretty much anything I've heard before. Um, and he, what he does is he try, he, when I heard an interview with him, he's, he basically said he tries to think of like for each record, how to make the guitar basically sound like an instrument that he doesn't play. Um, or is not as familiar with. So um, I don't know what it is for for uh, hey ho, but um, or ho hey. I always forget hey ho. Um, but it's it's a pretty cool um, vibe. I'll just play you a little bit so you can hear like sort of what the guitar work is sort of like. Um, he and his voice is almost um, he to me. He, you know what? I'll play you a little bit, Brian, and then I'll see what you think of his voice. Okay. I found a new meaning. The oldest words in you. Yeah, so I don't want to go over thirty seconds because no, 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 it'll, don't it'll, go over a second. Never, yeah, but that's sort of the vibe. He, it's very like chill, soulful. Um, but he, in the middle of that song, it just like kind of breaks into like this fuzzed out guitar solo that's really cool. He plays a lot of slide and in open tunings, and it's it's really interesting. Um, he reminds me of like if you took like Randy Newman and combined him with like a younger. <laughs> like more interesting guitar player it's hard to describe but there are certain songs when he plays i'm just like oh my god that sounds like randy newman um 
yeah so and that that song is is definitely the one that i would is one that i i really like the first track is called if i'm unworthy and then there's another track called seven that i really like too um let me see if i can skip to a little bit of that no That's called seven. It's it, awesome. That is, I I like that. It has a has like a bony like bear vibe to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, but it's it like more feels like um, you're there. It's it's not as to me. Bony Vare always as inter- well. It always feels cold to me, which makes sense. Yeah, yeah that's that's his basically his name. <laughs> um, but this there's like a warmth and like richness even to the mix. Like this is a headphone record like if you put this record on with headphones you can sort of get lost in it because there's so many he does all these really cool things with like with instruments and i've know i played some chill stuff there's some stuff that has like a little bit more movement to it um and one of the one of the other cool things that i know and if you're a guitar geek like me and you like gear he takes like these uh, these old um like like uh they're basically movie projectors that they would have used like in schools, like back in the day, you know, they rolled like the old school AV cart. uh, Yeah. Yeah. With like the actual real, real to real movies, real to real. Yeah. Yeah. And they would actually have like a little in the bottom of those, they would have an actual amp and a little bit of, and the audio would play right out of the player as well. Out of it. Okay. Yeah. Um, and he takes those and he converts them. He gets him and he gets his buddy to convert them to guitar amps. And they're like these weird. So now everybody on like the West Coast is after these like these weird <laughs> amps that are made out of old like high school AV cart <laughs> movie projectors. Um, he was a he was a session player, yes. right? What can you ex- just explain to somebody what that is who might not know yeah, so, what that yeah. is and how that might influence how he kind of works maybe as a producer and stuff like that yeah so a session player is just literally someone who's hired for studio sessions um so basically if a band was going into the studio and they needed uh, a guitar player or like a singer songwriter was going in they don't have a band that they play with all the time um you know he would he could be hired to play guitar on the record and and um you know that's that's what he does uh that's where most of his credits are uh, is is guitar playing session work he has some producing credits and obviously has his own music um but yeah he he's doing you know he's producing records from people like dawes and um it looks like he has upcoming records it says here with uh john legend jim james from my morning jacket i have randy newman Which is funny. Uh, oh, as a guitar player, he took part in Randy Newman's Dark Matter as a guitar player. Um, he's played, you know, he he played guitar on one of the um, Ava Brothers early records, um, and he still plays with Dawes once in a while. You know, he helps them out, and uh, so he he's just an interesting guy. And um, yeah, I've seen some really interesting YouTube. His live performances are 
pretty crazy. He basically just sits down and plays guitar and sings into a mic really chill. And, and then, but then there are some songs where he just opens up and plays some really like intense guitar, um, like fuzzed out guitar stuff that is really cool to me. So that's awesome. um, I'm really digging it right now. And Perfect. he just had a I new, a new album come out this year, um, called mutable set, but I haven't, um, I haven't really got like dove into that one yet. And Jim, you still love records, albums, the experience beginning. Oh to yeah. End. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You yeah so definitely. Um, it's becoming rarer and rare, rarer that I like an album beginning to end because I don't think, I don't think artists are as focused on that as they used to be. Um, well, maybe some of them are, um, but yeah, I, I feel like I, there were, it's rare now that I am 100% in on a record from beginning to end. And I guess in the past, even, even like some of my favorite records, there's one or two songs that I'll, you know, skip if I'm not mm-hmm. in the mood. So, but yes, yeah. I, I love that experience. I miss, um, cause no one buys records anymore. I used to just love buying it the first day it came out. I would pre-order it. I'd love seeing what material this is so nerdy, like what material the yeah. booklet was in. It was all such a materials they used, yeah. uh, how thick the booklet was, what the album art was, what was engraved on the CD. I loved all of that stuff so much. And I was reading this one thing this was a while ago about how, you know, now you can just, you can go on Spotify, play a record. You don't like it. That's the beginning and end of it. But so people don't really appreciate what's good and what's not as much anymore. And the rationale this one individual had was, well, back in the day, because, you know, back in the day. Yeah. So for me, it was, you know, 10, 15 years ago, whatever. Um, you'd buy a record. And if it was a dud, well, you were stuck with it. You can't return it. Right. So right. You, then you like really appreciate like the good ones really stuck out to you. If, you, if, you, if you're spending on 10 bucks on both, you know, you really appreciate the one you spent 10 bucks on. You're like, wow, I would have paid 20 for this. Yeah. Or, or you, you, know? you bought one and got 10 from uh, BMG. Yeah. <laughs> Put your put your buddies well, buddies. But you could but you could you always got the if you bought it at the wall you could get your lifetime. Yeah, but that was a twenty dollars CD. Remember, at the wall. Wall. Like the, wow. like the wall was way <laughs> more expensive. And then of course the it went wall, wow. it went bankrupt. And now you're, all, now you're completely screwed. Yeah, and then there's uh, I was very lucky. I grew company? up in a town. <laughs> go ahead. No, go go ahead, Craig. No, no, go. So I grew, I grew up in a town that has this really legendary record store in it. The next town over, it's called Looney Tunes in Babylon, New York, mm-hmm. um, which in like the world of like independent record stores is a couple like uh, Looney Tunes, Vintage Vinyl in New Jersey is a couple of other ones. And it was the next town over for me. So I grew up going there. And when I go back to Long Island, I, oh, I go like every trip um, just to see the store and what's in there. And they do in-store performances. They used to, they still do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I saw, I saw a lot of my favorite bands growing up when a record was put out, they would, if you pre-ordered the record, you get a, uh, you know, a wristband to go in and see them perform, you know, four or five songs acoustic and then they sign it and it was, Oh my God, it was awesome. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, I remember, cool. yeah, I remember we kind of talked about this a little bit when Craig was on just slightly, which is part of the reason I wanted to come back so we could have a bigger conversation about it. But this, you know, 
in ways, this idea of the, you know, the changing over of music. And we talked about like the album sales and what's that really about anymore and how they really make their money presently on touring. So how do you think that affects the creation of an album? Do you think that the, the focus is the same as it used to be when they, the way they construct an album is the album itself is important as it maybe used to be. I mean, I'm sure it is to certain musicians, right? You want to construct it, but that's not their core financial um, thing anymore. Right. Do you think that's impacted it in the records that you guys listen to? Do you feel like out the quality of overall albums have decreased or is that too simplistic to say? Yeah, I no. I mean, I, I guess it depends on, no, because dependent it, on the artist. Yeah, yeah. There are still people that that are focused on the right things, and there are people, and that's the same as it was when we were younger. And you know, I don't, I don't think that has changed at all. I don't think anybody's diminishing the actual album on the artist side, who wouldn't have been, you know, anyway. 10, 15 years ago, twenty years okay. ago. Yeah, I think the pop, I think pop music in general is is more likely to do that because they're always looking for the single because that's where they make that's where the publishers and 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 the record companies make the most money um, i mean i'm just I, I guess my point is i'm trying to think about it are you i mean or maybe i'm completely wrong with this do you think you're it's dependent on you to deliver a really great album anymore a great first album let's say to become big or is it now or maybe it always was you could get one song and then kind of build yourself to a multimedia presence like the album's not as important you know you're not touring on the album you're not doing that does that matter anymore you know do you need to deliver a couple of good albums or is that less important maybe than when even we were younger I feel like the trend is more now. The trend is to put out singles to get to an album when 15, 20, 30 years ago, however long. In my lifetime, it was more you put out an album, you got a couple of good songs on it, and you build on that and create a great record after that. Um, that's at least my take on it because I see a lot of bands now who put out records, they really cut their teeth in putting out singles. So I think this is the whole singles thing. Like that's where you get your exposure yeah. more through singles than uh, a full record. And then they'll put out a full record. I almost feel like that was reversed where even if it wasn't a full record, it was an EP. No one puts out EPs anymore, really for the most part. Right. Um, I don't know, Jim, what do you, what do you, what do you, what do you think? Yeah. I, I, I guess it depends. Like, I don't think, um, there's definitely no one size fits all. That's the whole thing. Yeah. There's no artists so, anymore that are like, what are, who are the artists that would play? the football stadiums like the new ones not many right there's I not mean, what new, there's no in, new I artist mean, that will play is, taylor football swift the, is she is taylor swift the youngest new artist that would play a football stadium you think um her bieber but do they <laughs> right who else no sure she do. does yeah. she sells out she sells out taylor swift bieber sells as out well July. yeah yeah yeah, maybe, yep. but I mean, not. You're probably right. Not, not a band. I can't think of a a young band that a young newer itself. band. No, old. I mean, bands yeah. have been around a while. Yes, but uh, not newer. There's very few. I, I just find that interesting. For you, 
Yeah. I mean, for example, do, you know, what well, I don't remember how many years ago it was now, but remember when you two toured on just the Joshua Tree album and they were playing? <laughs> no, but they were playing. That, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, it's yeah. like I that's is to me, I can't imagine anybody now doing something like that like is that a foregone thing where we attack like when we talk about the beatles like the white album you talk about joshua tree for you too i mean or some well, even that, craig like the craig I, when you do your recommendation correct. here right it, they had a commemorative edition of that record that was re-released the mm -hmm. one or why don't you tell us what yours is because then i want to follow up with a question about it so when you said what album would you recommend like when i think about that I think about, am I recommending for like a general audience? Am I recommending for people who are into music that is a little more, I don't know, harder, I guess. I don't know what else. That's really like heavily <laughs> distorted. Um, so I'm not going to recommend uh, something that's a little heavier for a general audience. But uh, so the music, I, the, the one I recommended was a, a band called Jack's Mannequin uh, and this record called Everything in Transit. And uh uh, the, the guy who, um, who wrote this record, is, his name is Andrew McMahon. And Andrew McMahon is, uh, is like a god to me. <laughs> he played in a band called Something Corporate, uh, put out a couple of records with them. And it, it, it was pretty, it was okay. I really wasn't a big Something Corporate fan, but then he did this thing called Jack's Mannequin. Uh, and completely veered in different directions. And he put out three records with them and uh, really, and he is Jack's mannequin basically. And then now he's, he's put out a bunch of solo records with the band and they're absolutely amazing. Um, so yeah, my recommendation was uh, Jack's mannequin, everything's in transit, but a, a front to back beginning to end record that it's, you almost can't isolate a song you put it on and you know you're in it for 50 minutes. It's one of those. Um, so that's the way I think about that one. Did well, I and the reason I, I brought it up, asked you to do it now is originally, I th yes, originally I thought it was the mannequin soundtrack you were recommending. Jesus Christ. Which, you know, with the Andrew McCarthy uh, film, which has no. nothing's going to stop it now. <laughs> but then, but, uh, but I looked up no. the album that you recommended and it comes to my mind though. Because on um, on um, on Apple in the Apple I, iTunes store, though, there they have like a a anniversary edition of this album. So this is an album people gravitate towards. Correct. Like they remastered yes. it. I think you can get it and you know, Correct. updated. Are we going to? So see you had said something. I feel like that's yes. that's diminishing. Yes. I feel the opposite. I feel like bands playing records front to back is the thing. That's the thing right now. Uh, and it's been for, for, for a little while oh, okay. that people are really excited to go out and hear a whole record front to back. So, I mean, part of it is probably monetary. You put out a 10th anniversary edition, you put some B-sides that true fans know already, but you put them on the actual record mm -hmm. and then you play it front to back. Um, not every band will do that. Like he didn't. Um, he did it for this, um, this charity that he does called the Dear Jack Foundation. And he played it front to back, just him on the piano. Uh, and it was in Chicago and me and my sister actually went, it was, it was a bunch of years ago. It was 2015. It was amazing. Um, but people get really excited about seeing bands play. Uh, one of my favorite bands of all time, newfound glory. They did a whole tour, all nine of their records. They play a city three nights in a row. And every night they play two records, mm -hmm. every single song. 
Wow. And it was it was okay. awesome. Yeah, Springsteen so did this. So you knew you, you knew you were getting six of nine records. Yeah, Springsteen did this a few yeah. years ago where he rotated three albums. So he did um, Darkness on the Edge of Town. Um, but I don't think it was Born in USA. Maybe Born to Run and one other one. Um, and he basically, you know... He played that, the whole thing front to back? Yeah, front to back. Every, so he rotated each night. So like one night they would do Darkness, and the next night they would do... But that's only half his show. So the rest of the show was like filled in with, you know, the rest of his mu- whatever he wanted to play because he does like, you know, three and a half to four hour shows. From other stuff. Okay. But that, and that was back probably five, six, seven years ago. I don't, it was a while ago. Um, maybe even longer because it was, I feel like it might have been the end of the spectrum when he was doing that. So maybe even 10 years ago. Um, Oh, wow. And okay. I thought that so was pretty was cool. I would yeah. say, you know, and that's that's cool. I had a bad experience with that, with with um, with um Gaslight Anthem, where we went to see the 59 Sound anniversary show. It was 10 years. And I think Philly was like one of the last two or three nights on the tour. And they basically started the show. They started every show of the tour with that record, played it front to back. And then did like 10, you know, 10 more songs um, from across their catalog. And they were clearly not interested in playing the 59 sound anymore by the end of that tour. Um, And so I just don't. Oh, we lost Greg. Um, Certain bands, I think, are they they had had enough of it. They had had enough of it. And it was clear as soon as as soon as they finished that, as as soon as they finished the 59 sound, they played that album all the way through the last like eight songs were incredible. Like they came alive because they were just, they weren't, they weren't forcing themselves to play the same record over and over again. Just done with it. Yeah. And Talking about gaslight anthem. Yeah. Did you go yeah. To yeah. Tour? I did. I went to the, I've, I've seen them a bunch. Um, but that I went to the 59 yeah. sound tour and it was not great. Um, I think just because they, it was, it was the end of the tour. I think they were just done with that record playing it again. Um, so, uh, yeah. And, and I, I don't know, they might just be done in general. Um, <laughs> so that's a whole other thing. Um, yeah, but you know, I, that can go a number of ways, you know, I, for me, I'd rather go to a show and see the songs that the artist wants to play, because I know that they will, that performance will be better if they're playing what they want to play, then if they feel like they need to stick to some kind of uh, what the crowd wants to hear kind of script. Great. If it aligns, that's awesome. Like whatever you, you want to play the hits and that's like your thing. And the crowd wants to, wants to hear that. That's going to be amazing. But if you, if you see someone play, some play a show where they're not fully really into it, it's, it's, not a great show. I don't know. I feel like I can feel that. And I've had a few well, shows. I like also that. wonder, like, no, I, I, I guess my question, because Jim, you've, you've written records and put them together, albums. 
and is I'm wondering is like the const- when you construct an album, mm-hmm. there's obviously I don't know what would go into it. Maybe you could talk slightly about that in terms of feel and vibe for certain songs and things like that. But that's obviously a very di- an album's a very different experience than going to a show. So I would yeah. imagine like when you're constructing and Craig, you can talk about this too. Like when you're constructing a set list for performing, you know, there's maybe different things that go into that than would go into how you would order songs on an album. So I could maybe understand if you're performing an album live, it, the energy maybe is, is different. I think that if a, if an artist it, has the guts, the crowd to- might be different. If the art, if the, if the artist has the guts to play a whole record front to back, it must be really good. They're not just going to do it just to do it. They're going to do it because they believe in it and they know people want to hear every single song off, off that record in it. And they typically can't play every single one of those songs. Um, whether they're far in their career and they only play the hits off that record. Um, I personally really enjoy when, when bands go out and play the whole thing. Um, because if I'm, if I'm there, I want to hear the whole thing. Uh, I mean, there are bands that put that do those tours and um, I like a couple of songs and I just won't go. But if it's a record that I love and I believe in, I, I definitely, I go every single time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so like, Jim, I don't think it's fair to, it's not when fa- you guys, let's say did anchors, what yeah. happened? Yeah, so that's, uh, well, you know, when you're constructing an album and you want folks to listen to it, um, you do kind of build it differently than you would have built a set list. Um, yeah. It's not it's not the same thing. The listening, listening experience of a record is not the same thing as, as, a, as a show. It's also not... It also depends on what you want the person to get out of the listening experience. Like some younger bands will will just I don't want to say younger, but people who want to make a career out of playing music might construct their first record differently because they're trying to get a deal, right? So like they might put their best three songs as the first three songs on the record. It it yeah. it really depends. Um but if you're if you're constructing an album for um you know, your track list, I think you want to think of that experience of, as like a listener and what story, you know, obviously when you're constructing a song, you think about the story that you want to kind of put the listener on. And then when you kind of put all those songs together on a record, you also kind of start to think about that. So like immediately um, I knew going in that like, that like I wanted the song never again to be the loudest song on the record. Right. Like I knew that that when we go to mastering that no matter where we, that song ended up on the, the record, there was not going to be another note on the record that was as loud as that. Um, and I had a couple little things like weird things like that. Like I knew I wanted to end and start with, I wanted to start with, um, like kind of this, this weird, um, it's basically like my guitar going into like crazy delay feedback kind of kind of stuff. Um, so we started the record and ended it with, with that. Um, but, I, you know, I, I, I wouldn't say that I thought as much as like someone who has 
you know, six to nine months to spend in the studio. Well, I guess no one really has that much anymore. But No, but I mean, yeah, it's a different experience completely. Um, Wonderful. All right. My recommendation is by a band that Jim's already uh, referenced here, uh, which is True Sadness by the Avett Brothers, Mm. um, who I enjoy listening to. Uh, it might be the only legitimate band I, I listen to. And it really has nothing to do with me. Aileen listens to it all the time. So <laughs> it's probably the only the only album I listen to that's not considered uh, Yacht Rock or <laughs> um, a Kenny Loggins album. I've been listening to a lot of uh, Kenny Loggins ground uh, Caddyshack theme recently because I was reading a book on Caddyshack. Um, but th- I mean, I'm late to the game on them, obviously. I've also actually seen the Avid Brothers in concert, which is very rare for me. I don't attend a lot of yeah. concerts, um, but we actually got to see them open for Government Mule a couple of summers ago. Yeah. And unfortunately, we were probably going to see them at least once this summer before the pandemic started. They were actually playing with uh, Ringo Starr's traveling band. I guess they were, op- I don't know if you could call them opening, but they were going to play in Boston um, in June. But obviously that is no longer occurring. Um, but no. I, you know, we, I don't know how Eileen first came about listening to them, but, um, well, you know, I, I in Love and You, it, that record is a gigantic record. Yes. True <laughs> Sadness uh, actually had their first number one uh, song on the charts, which is uh, Ain't No Man, which some people might know. Um, and they front loaded that. Uh, the, the True Sadness album was actually uh, produced by Rick Rubin, who is the co-founder of Def Jam. Really? And has worked with like every, everybody. He's worked with yeah. everybody. And it's kind of an, a, a, an add-on to this. Um, but they had a documentary made of them recording true sadness and it was directed by why am i drawing a blank uh 40 year old oh, virgin, judge, judge judd apatow uh J- judd apatow directed it yeah and it was on hbo it's called uh may it last and if you just want to see a a really cool music documentary uh the Ava brothers are brothers and it just kind of goes into this how they put a band together and where they came from and a lot of what the the album itself is about and you see yeah. him recording the album and it's crazy uh, i um so rick rubin produced i am loving you too uh and the fact that they lined up with Rick Rubin is just crazy. I mean, he's done, he's not specifically rap. Um, you know, no. he's done a lot of rock and stuff over the years. Um, and I will say for, for a, a guy with an acoustic guitar, a guy with a banjo and a cello player and a bass player, um, they put on a punk rock show almost. Ooh. Um, if you've ever seen them live, uh, I thought they it's were an intense, life. an intense experience. Um, the one, the, the one guy, he always talks about how like the one brother can sing nice and sweet. And the other one basically sounded like he swallowed an amplifier. So he's basically screaming <laughs> the entire show. Um, but the, the crazy thing I heard about, um, you know, I think it was uh, Judd Apatow was saying like Rick Rubin, he got, you got to know Rick Rubin and Rick Rubin's like, Hey man, you should come just film these guys. Um, and make, make a movie about what they do. Um, and he said like, after like two weeks of like following them around, touring with them and just like, you know, interviewing them and stuff, he's like, Rick, there's, there's no story here. Like nothing, nothing's happening. 
other than like I feel incredible like being around them. And he's like, and Rick Rubin's like, oh, you get it now. Like that's them. And the story is like, how did they get here? Like, how are they as how is the feeling around this band and what they do so incredible? <laughs> because apparently they're just incredible humans to be around pretty much all the time. Yeah. I mean, and there's stuff I just think they structure it. The the album itself is structured really interesting. Like the the big hit of the album was the first song, Ain't No Man's Right Out of the Shoot. And I mean, they had been pretty good commercially yeah. prior to this, but he really took them to the next level, Rick Rubin, when he did it. And this was the album that really exploded. I mean, they were a big touring band and people knew them, but this is what made them. And there's like four or five really really good songs and the other songs in the album are just really interesting as well. it's a it's a great album if you haven't listened to it if you have um it's on amazon music by the way mm -hmm. um not the pri amazon prime Music, not the one where you have to pay for it but the album if you're if you're interested and you're you know you have prime and you don't want the unlimited it's on the regular and you can just listen to it if you've never listened to it. And I would, as a documentary, I would highly, highly recommend the documentary too, especially if you like, I'm not a, into music and I found it like fascinating just there's to a, see them in the studio and see a how lot they, of great they music worked. Documentaries have, that have come out over the last several years. Yeah. Uh, which one that you like, Craig, which one do you, did you, I was fascinated the by one the, that jumps uh, out at you. The Oasis one supersonic was amazing. Uh, it was all I about, seen it. I should see that it's on Amazon, I believe, but, uh, oh my God, okay. Matt Whitecross is his name and it's all about, it's, it's Liam and, uh, and, uh, Noel and it's, and the rest of the band, but it's about basically their rise to fame to get to, um, you know, what, the, what the story, what's the story morning glory. Yeah. And it kind of, it stops there. It's so fascinating and the fights and all that stuff. And obviously they're very, they have a very storied history. Oasis has two brothers who fight, um, but it was other. very well done and it was in their own words and, and hate each other. Yeah. Uh, and then he went on the Matt Whitecross guy. He's been friends with Coldplay and, and he did a Coldplay documentary that wasn't nearly as good as I, I love Coldplay, but uh, it wasn't nearly as good as the, um, the Oasis one. Um, uh, another, yeah. another, so, but there's been a lot of the one, uh, there's one on HBO that was that, oh, that, the one on HBO about Jimmy Iovine. Yes. That multiple, I forgot the, the name defiant ones, several parts. That was ridiculous. That was, a yeah, it's called the defiant ones. Yes. The defiant and it's ones, fantastic. Yes. And it's, you, it's yeah, basically you, Jimmy Iovine and Dr. Yes. Dre. And it starts with them selling beats to Apple and yep. becoming gigantic in, in the world of Apple. Um, and then it like rewinds 40 years and is like, yep. where did these two guys come from and how did they end up together? And it is incredible. Um, the one that I like is is a little older now, but it came out. It is, I think, uh, 2013 is Sound City, um, which is Dave Grohl went back and did like a documentary oh, awesome. on on the Sound City studio um, where Nevermind was recorded. But yep. um, that that um, that studio also recorded um, right. Red Hot Chili Peppers, Fleetwood, like Fleetwood Mac, basically became Fleetwood Mac there like Stevie Nicks was sweeping the floors there when Fleetwood Mac be went from like that bluesy band to the more the Fleetwood Mac that we know um you know <laughs> Tom Petty recorded Damn the Torpedoes Rage Against the Machine um Neil Young like so yep. many people recorded there um, yeah and great. it's a, it's a fantastic documentary 
And then that paved the way for Dave Grohl where they did that whole um, Sonic Highways record. Yep. Uh, The concept was better than the execution of the record, but each of those mini documentaries that aired on HBO, but each of the songs, each of the cities, that idea of how the music influences the, how the place influences the music, influences the Foo Fighters in that song, I thought it was really well done. Um, The record wasn't as good, I don't think, as as the idea, but... Yeah, I mean, the songs, to me, the songs didn't resonate as much as like... No. the the individual little documentaries but yeah i agree it Correct. was it was very cool yeah, to I'm watch yeah well i've also said we talked about this before and i know i keep harping on craig to watch it but a great music documentary is george Harrison. george harrison one yeah. Yeah. which is just crazy and then what was the other one something popped in my i love the scorsese one though and i mean that's a george harrison's an interesting guy i mean there's so many good music documentaries recently like floating around out there now mm-hmm. and then also by the way you can always if you're interested find behind the music vh1 behind the music on those were awesome. yeah those, those were, were so good they were great I mean, they, that was one i, I mean it's part of my introduction to music back in the day mm-hmm. there were some amazing episodes of that show. yeah i mean i don't think people know it like anymore would think about it but it, they did they were doing stuff that a lot of shows weren't doing now that more maybe have become a little bit more popularized but and you would think oh vh1 but they they did a great job with that show i mean there's some bands really, really interesting bands um when you go and look at that stuff uh, so those are some uh, album recommendations. Katie is wiped out because yeah. she does a thousand <laughs> jobs. Uh, I did want to say she was going to recommend uh, Brandy Carlisle's Storyteller. The story. Which is an, um, the, sorry, the story. Sorry, yeah. sorry. I was thinking of Storytellers from VH1. Yeah. Uh, which That's is an unbo- <laughs> unbelievable album. Unplugged. They Brandy Carlisle's awesome. so good. Yeah, Brandy had a stretch there with that record, and I believe it was the one that follows is the um, Giving Up the Ghost. Both of those are absolutely absurdly good. Um, it wasn't Rick Rubin who did the... I, I wonder... I forget if he... Was involved in He that. was involved, or I'm forgetting who was involved in there in, in that... Um, in the story. Oh, T-Bone Burnett. So... Um, no, totally different. Who's like, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, still, yeah, yeah. who's like uh, a titan of the industry? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, if um, you and if you've never seen Brandy Carlisle, um, I don't know that I've ever seen someone perform live that like her voice is literally like will literally blow the roof off the place. We saw <laughs> we saw her play with Ray LaMontagne. It was like a double billing where. I guess they were switching each night who played first, who played second. Um, and she played the first hour and a half, and then there was a little break, and then Ray LaMontagne played the next hour and a half. And Ray LaMontagne's set was one of the most boring things I'd Did ever watched. Leave? Yeah, oh yeah. Tons of people left. Oh, that's because that happened with us and the Avit brothers. Yeah. We went to in no offense to Government Mule, but they were switching nights and we just got the night where the Avit brothers were first. Yeah. And I would say fifty percent of the people left once the Avit brothers. Yeah, that's a weird done. pairing, the Avid brothers and Government Mule. That doesn't yeah, make I don't a know. ton of sense. I think Brandy and the and Ray LaMontagne were sort of very well matched as far as like audience. Like 
it's the same people. It's like that XPN crowd in Philly. Um, but man, he can't, he's, he, and he can't play a bigger, bigger venue. It's, he gets lost. It's, he's not a powerful performer. Um, a more intimate setting would be pretty incredible for him, but, uh, it was, I felt bad for him <laughs> following Brandy. That's, that's too bad. Um, all right. Well, that was wonderful. Uh, Craig, where can people find you? Uh, Don't give out your address. To, I mean, uh, yes, not your home address, but on Facebook and give out Brian's if you you're, want. you've been performing some shows from your basement. I have on How Thursday, but I didn't tonight, but I was because I was too lazy. Um, <laughs> I, ironically enough. Uh, yeah. Craig Goldberg music. Um, I try to play every third. Actually, I have. I played uh, twice a week for a good five or six weeks. And then I did once a week for last month. And you know, it's, I was tired. It's hard. It's starting to get burned. <laughs> yeah, it's starting to get burned out a little bit. Yeah. You know, with you know, everything that seemed like this idea, Oh, we all, you know, this is going to be great. I'll play a I'll do a couple of shows a week. Uh, four weeks life will be back to normal. Well, it, was, and... it was cool. I was like, Oh, I'll play a couple of weeks in a row. I miss music. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll theme the nights out. I'll do eighties night. And then uh, it kept on going. <laughs> i learned the entirety of blink 182's enema of the state and played the whole thing front to back (laughs) well there you Uh, go my one of my favorite records of all time and uh well we're hopeful that we can see craig live again once venues are actually opened yes and see how you sing through a face mask (laughs) <laughs> in 2022 oh i'll be able to play for everybody yeah 2022 will be back yeah. uh well thank you for coming craig it was thank awesome you for having me you. i appreciate it it was fun as, as as last time uh we will be back uh our next movie is ladybird we're very excited uh for that katie's choice of ladybird a film i don't have you ever seen ladybird craig uh no, you could ask me most movies and my answer would probably be no. no. So nobody, because Jim, Jim has not seen it. I have not seen it. Mm-mm. So I'm excited to see it um, as we move towards our 100th episode. And on our next Thursday episode, uh, we will have guests and we will have a movie. I don't know if we've yeah. nailed down exactly which guests are returning next Thursday. Two things before we jump off. A uh, little fun fact about music. I think uh, I read a fun fact somewhere that 2019 was the first year in like 20 years or 25 years. No, way more than that. Since the since like the early 90s, where vinyl outsold CDs, Ooh. yeah, in physical media. Um, yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah, yeah, which is pretty cool. Um, and also, we'll try to uh, post some videos of. Of the people we talked about um, from oh, yes. YouTube doing some let's, live performances or something, so, so we don't get Craig, kicked off. Very bizarre. Yeah, that's 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 a retro trend that is more very hipstery bizarre. than yeah. Where vinyl um, sounds better than everything else uh, if you do it right. Um, yeah. A tape sounds terrible compared to CDs. Whereas, <laughs> whereas correct a, me if I'm wrong. Every play of the cassette, it gets worse. Yeah. You need to play it a lot. Um, okay. But if you've ever seen the movie Airheads, there's a really funny moment where Brendan <laughs> Fraser's like, it sounds like you're stepping on my nuts when you play the cassette. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Um, it's great. Well, Craig, thank you again so much. Uh, we welcome. will be back um, with Ladybird on our next episode. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, everyone.